Hey there, everyone. It's Camber here with the Yo Prono. I am so excited to welcome today to the Yo Prono Bindu Pishupati, a 35 year old communications project manager um, over at Cornell Medicine up in New York City. So, so excited to have you today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And as is tradition, we always like to share how each uh, interview was connected to us from the start. And so, Many of you might remember the environmental engineer that we interviewed early last year, Bhargavi, um, and she is your sister-in-law, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, we hope that that she can watch this story um, because she spoke very highly of you when she she referred to you. So we're going to dive right into everything. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your background, so really high level where you're from originally and how you got to, to being a communications project manager. And then we'll dive into the details a little bit later. Sure. So I was raised in State College, Pennsylvania, and I attended Penn State University, which is where my dad works. And that faculty discount came in handy. Oh, yeah. I ended up <laughs> majoring in biobehavioral health and in neuropsychology and worked with young children for a couple of years before going back for my master's in education in early childhood special ed. And I worked for two to three years as a full-time preschool teacher before starting to miss healthcare again. So I ended up going back for my master's in public health and earned that from George Washington University before I actually ended up at the job that I'm at right now, which is the communications project manager role at Wild Cornell Medicine in New York. And on top of that, while I was doing my first master's degree, I ended up getting an agent and publishing my first rom-com fiction novel and ended up getting a three book deal from that. So I write under the pen name Anika Sharma and underneath that same pen name, while I started at Wild Cornell Medicine, my best friend said, hey, I think you have a lot to say about the South Asian diaspora and millennials and all the issues that we face as these dual identity kids. So I think you should start a podcast. And I was like, I don't think I have the time. But at the a month later, I ended up doing exactly that, starting a podcast with somebody that I met on a Facebook group through a call for co-hosts. And we ended up LLCing and we run a podcast called That Basie Spark. And it's one of the biggest South Asian podcasts for millennials out there right now. Wow. Well, that is so much to unpack. I have like a million (laughs) questions right now. We're going to have to link all of these things so that people who are listening to our podcast and uh, YouTube series know where to find you. So we'll get to that at the end. But before we talk about the fact that you have published three books, have you published more than three or is it just three right now? It's a three book deal. So I have right now, I I've released the first one this past September mm-hmm. and then we're in the middle of edits for book two and book three will come out like a year after book two does. Awesome. Um, well, we'll talk about this, this three book deal soon, but first I want to kind of go in chronological order. So you obviously you like school because <laughs> you did go back to get two masters. Um, talk a little bit, you know, to the people who might be watching or listening that are interested in, in getting their master's and really kind of walk through that process of how you made that decision and what benefits it has brought you. Yeah. So with the master's in education, I honestly never would have seen that coming. It was originally the reason that I started working with young children was to get pediatric experience. I wanted to be a nurse practitioner and I wanted to preferably do either either pediatrics or women's health. And what better way to grow comfortable with babies than to throw yourself into a classroom and work with young, young children. And I ended up actually being really good at it. And a faculty member from the program kind of recruited me into it. She said, this is a grant funded program. We have this remarkable, you know, highly ranked master's program for early childhood special education in particular 
particular that would let you go into hospitals and work with children who were born with disabilities. And some of them could be very severe. Some could be really relatively mild, but it could be, you know, a really great rewarding career for you. So I think with a master's degree, it's, it's one of those things where once you jump in, I think it's really important to commit, but you should always keep your eyes open to what your strengths are as well, because leading those paths into that master's degree sometimes may not be quite as linear as you thought it was going to be. And it might not be exactly what, you know, you thought it would, your career would lead to, and it might end up actually being a really pleasant surprise that you end up going into a field you didn't quite see coming. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the master's in public health too. I mean, obviously that seems to have been, I mean, that's what you're doing right now, right? With the communications project management role. So walk us through that process and how you found your current job. And then I want to talk a little bit more about balance later with all of these other things that you're doing. I mean, I love, we're definitely in hustle culture and you are totally exemplifying that. So walk us through that process as well. Yeah. So while I was working with young kids, I started missing healthcare, as I said. And when I did, I realized the areas of health that I've always kind of had a pattern through throughout my education has always been in reproductive health and women's health in particular. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing the MED, I realized that it's actually very closely linked to women's health. Children's health and women's health go hand in hand. So when I ended up getting my master's in public health, I kind of tied that in by doing a large focus on maternal and child health. So they all sort of related to one another, but it was sort of an evolution from, okay, broad-based healthcare, then going directly to the child line, and then kind of swinging right back to reproductive health, women's health, and children's health together. Mm -hmm. And so my culminating thesis ended up being about preventing maternal mortality in sub-Saharan Africa with the use of obstetric kits. So it was kind of a a culmination of all the different experiences I'd picked up, but also the education that I picked up along the way. Mm -hmm. And the job at Wild Cornell Medicine tied into that other trend that was running at the time, which was authorship and words and a love of being able to craft a message. And so I wanted to do that within a healthcare setting. And I wanted to tie all the different loves I had together and the different passions I had together, which is why I ended up doing a communications role in particular. But it's really helpful to have this healthcare background because whenever a researcher is talking about their very science heavy, very, you know, science background heavy kind of uh, research, it's very easy to kind of pull from that and say, okay, this is how you translate it. And this is the strength we've already got. So, um, so that's kind of how I ended up where I am right now. Great. And I mean, you can just see listening to you, all of the overlapping themes and areas of your life where, again, you you mentioned earlier, you never saw it coming. A lot of times your career is not as linear as you think it is going to be. And, you know, something we talked about earlier, which is companies or just our society in general likes to kind of put us in these lanes growing up and in college and school, but really there's so many opportunities where instead of going like this, it's really like this. So I think just hearing you talk is, is very, that's very clear. Um, before we talk more about all of the things you have going on outside of your, your nine to five job, if you will, tell us a little bit about why you've stayed there and, uh, you know, what your plans are for the future, because as a young professional, you know, it's anyone 21 to 39 years old and, you know, you're, you're in that young professional bracket. So what makes you stay? It has been so far that it's been a stable career, but it's also pulled so many passions together that I've absolutely loved it. But to be completely transparent in the last say about a year, there's been a lot of thought about, do you want to leave healthcare or do you want to leave this particular role? And where do you want to expand to? And I think that that has just come from growth on my own and also realizing that it's okay to say, I put in 
X amount of time in school and X amount of money in school. And it's all right to kind of pivot your career and cater it and curate it in a way that makes you really happy. Mm-hmm. And all of these different side hustles that I've had, as well as this career in comms and in healthcare, have kind of helped me shape the direction that I want to go in and help me find my strengths to begin with. So I don't think that you know, I've stayed so far because I've really enjoyed the mix of things, but now I'm starting to lean heavily in one direction. And I'm wondering if maybe it's time to think about the next step and see if this is a pivoting point at, at this point. Right. Um, and one thing I failed to mention after you gave your last answer about everything kind of overlapping is, you know, you're 35. And one of my favorite things to do when I interview people in their thirties is see what you've learned since you graduated, you know, undergrad, because a lot of times you are, you're, you're sharing different things than those who are in their early twenties. Um, because obviously you're, you're very mature and you have go, you've gone through several things in your career that people in their twenties just haven't yet. And you can see that talking to you. And so I think it's great to show that, I mean, there's always room for pivots and after a few years, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter how great the job actually is, but you just have these other passions that you're, you're searching for. So I um, just wanted to point that out as well, but now let's talk about the side hustles because you know, I appreciate a side hustle. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about how, um, how you've been managing that, how you've been balancing that. And I'm just so curious. Um, one that you have the most popular, you said, um, you said the most popular Asian millennial podcast. And I want to hear more about that. And then I also want to hear about how you, you know, got this book deal. Like what, what makes your, your book so good and so special. I want, I think everyone's curious to know. Thanks. Yeah. So when I, I've been a writer for most of my life and actually my parents used to be like, you should be a professional writer. You should be a journalist. When I was choosing a college major, that's what they were saying I should do. And I was like, no, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse practitioner and totally went the wrong direction. And and when I, I remember it was the summer before my MED and I had about six weeks between leaving my preschool job and starting school. And I came down the stairs and I said, I'm going to write my book. And my parents went, oh, finally. So I think one of the things was just, it had to be the right time, but it also was just flowing out at that time, but the best in a really creative sense. And um, I wrote this book and I started submitting it to agents and um, I went in with a healthy sense of, you know, just sort of a disregard for the impossible, because if you get caught up in the odds, the odds were something like one in half a million manuscripts get picked up by an agent. Whenever you get caught up in those, you begin to think, well, I must just be one of those odds that's not going to get picked up. And I think I went in very naively, but in a really good way. <laughs> and yeah. I ended up submitting to a bunch of agents and um, mine, the, the, the person that became my agent ended up saying, I want to read your full book. And it took about seven to eight months for her to follow up because of all the backlog that agents tend to deal with. And so she came back, she said, I want to represent you and all the work that you write going forward. And after that, um, she submitted my book to a couple of editors and ended up getting my first book deal. That book is no longer on shelves, but two years later, she ended up getting me a three book deal with another series I was working on, which is the one that's now releasing wow. uh, four years later, four or five years cool. after we signed the deal. Yeah. So yeah. And what is the series about? The series is called The Chai Masala Club. And the first oh. book is called Love, Chai and Other Four Letter Words. And it was a book uh, series that was conceptualized on a group of South Asian friends and each of them gets their own kind of rom-com story that's sort of steeped in culture, but also in the U.S., just sort of like how I live my life, how so many other millions of 
South Asian Americans live their lives. Um, and, you know, just having a great set of friends and, and just going through adventures in the city together. So, um, so each book focuses on one friend in that group. Oh, cool. I love that. I will have to get some copies um, over the years <laughs> as they come out and, and tell us about the podcast. Yeah. So my best friend, like I said, was like, you have a lot to say about things. And I was, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a lot of opinions. And um, eventually I ended up putting a call out for a show that I envisioned at the time, Sex in the City meets the real, you know, four to six South Asian women talk about all the issues that are pertinent for, for millennials, whether it's dating, whether it's dual identity issues, whether it's a culture clash, things like that. And it ended up moving forward eventually with me and my current co-host Nehal and my brother who serves as the producer. And we ended up starting to get sponsorships. The podcast began to take off and we got a lot of coverage and different things. We were on a Spotify billboard campaign. We were on, um, we were in Forbes. It was like really wild how this thing just kind of rolled. Wow. And um, we ended up LLCing in 2020 and, and now it's just been a remarkable ride and just so much fun to dive in, to talk to experts about different stats that have to do with the South Asian community, because that's what I grew up in. That's my life. And um, it's really fun to bring that forward and to let people know via an audio platform that they're not alone. Right. No, I love that. I really, one, I mean, it seems like you're just doing a million things and kudos to you for, for managing it all, because I can tell that you definitely do, but wrapping things up, and kind of going back to, you know, why we're here in the first place, which is young professional success. What do you want experienced professionals? So those over 40 to know about our young professional workplace and what we need to really succeed here. What I've found the most amongst young professionals that are rising right now is the incredible ability to want to change things. And whether that's a culture in a workplace or whether that's communication styles or whether that's looking around at a workplace, whether it's corporate or nonprofit and saying, you know what, this is how we always did it is not going to cut it anymore. And I think that that's just, just such a strength of this, these rising generations that we have, because that also plays into staying at certain workplaces for a longer time. Most people say, I felt heard, I felt seen. Those are a lot of the really important criteria for wanting to stay somewhere. So I think that that's really signature of the, the age groups that are right now coming up. Absolutely. I like that you said that I felt heard and seen. That's certainly what I'm hearing as well, because a lot of people who stay, it's, it's not because they've been pushed around. It's not because they, um, they have a micromanager. It is, it's for reasons that you just mentioned. So I think that's, um, a great way to kind of wrap things up. And before we go, I'd love to ask just any final words of advice that you think are important for the young professionals who are listening here today. I think to recognize the trends in your career, it doesn't always have to be the same fields or the, trademark, linear, you know, I did my bachelor's and then my master's and then my PhD. It doesn't always have to be those particular milestones that define your career. Oftentimes it's the trends that have carried. It's the strengths that you've possessed throughout your career that have always shown up in funny little ways mm -hmm. that are very uniquely you. And once you can tie that together, you can really create a career that was not only yours, but really meant for you that you feel really solid and empowered and mm -hmm. confident in no matter what situation changes around you. I think that that's probably the strongest advice that I've been given and the strongest thing I've learned over mm -hmm. the last 10 years or so where all of these different career paths have been things that I haven't seen coming. And it's all been because of trends that I have carried and trends that have built on each other since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I know we just met, but I'm proud of you. 
you're awesome. Congrats on all you've accomplished. And thank you for, for making, you know, the Yo Prono part of your things to do this week, because I know that you're a very busy person. So really appreciate you, um, Bindu. Thank you for, for being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. And I hope it helps anybody who's out there. It was so nice to be here.